Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, good evening. It is wonderful to be with you tonight. I just want to first, by, first start by saying a word of welcome to any of our guests, friends, and family members that are here tonight to be present for our Confirmandi. If you're visiting from outside of Sacred Heart, raise your hand. Oh, that's so awesome. That's awesome. Well, welcome. It's great to have you here with our family as we celebrate these uh, awesome young people. This is just half of the confirmation class. We had the other half last week, and uh, it's just been a really uh, a privilege to walk with them this year in this program and to witness them getting confirmed. It's, it's, uh, it's just awesome. So here's where I want to start tonight for uh, this Solemnity of Corpus Christi and Confirmation. I want to start with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI. He once said this, that being a Christian, being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. It's a result of an encounter with a person who gives life a new and decisive horizon and direction. Being a Christian is not the result of thinking yourself into it. It's the result of an encounter with the person. It means this, that the earliest Christians, like the first Christians, they didn't abandon the traditions of Israel. They didn't leave Judaism. They didn't walk away from all of this to start walking this new way, following this new rabbi, because they simply thought, hey, I think this is a good idea. That's not why they did it. That's not why they did it. No, Simon and Andrew, James and John, all of them, the rest of them, like, they left their nets behind, they left their boats behind, they left their whole way of life behind, they left their whole former ways of synagogue and temple and feasts and the whole Jewish tradition. They left it behind, and they let their lives get totally turned upside down because they met this man, this Yeshua from Nazareth. They met this person, and he changed everything for them, that meeting him was the single most decisive factor of their life. That everything else was seen in relation to that meeting. Just like for those of you who are married, like being a spouse is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. At least I don't think so, right? I'm a celibate, I don't know, maybe. I don't think so, right? Like you didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm gonna be married. That's just not how it works. You met somebody, right? So this other person showed up in your world, and this other person made such a like an impact on you that they began to generate in you a whole new way of being, a sort of spousal way of being, that I'm, my entire life is now adhered to this person. That's what being a Christian is, Pope Benedict is saying. Like nobody, for these first Christians, nobody looked at them the way that Jesus did. Nobody spoke like he did. Nobody was trustworthy like he was. Nobody was kind and powerful like he was. He was utterly unique. Nobody made them feel more safe or more seen or more loved. Nobody made them feel like they were the only person in the world more than Jesus. There was just something absolutely unique about him. There was nobody else like him. And then when they found him, or maybe it's better to say when he found them, there was no going back. There was no going back. Nothing would be the same. Like they found the pearl of great price, and once you find the pearl of great price, you sell everything to buy it. Once you find the treasure buried in the field, you sell everything you have to buy the field to get that treasure. You give everything away. That's what it means to say that Jesus is Lord. 
that I've given him everything. And so these people, these people whom Jesus encountered and these people that he formed and traveled with and spoke to, right, his apostles, his disciples, they witnessed his miracles. They witnessed him do unbelievable things. They were absorbed by his teaching. They saw his power over nature and sickness and disease, things that were intractable, things that nobody could cure, like leprosy or death. (laughs) They saw him raise people from the dead. They witnessed it several times. They saw blind people, blind from birth, recover their sight. And they were with him that night in the upper room we call Holy Thursday, where gathered for the Passover Seder, they saw him and they heard him reinterpret the Passover liturgy in light of himself. And they heard him say those words, this is my body. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in memory of me. They heard that. They were with him. And they were with him when they left the upper room singing and they went to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, stay here, watch, and pray. I'm going over here. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. And he brought with him Peter, James, and John who were a stone's throw away from him where he was praying in agony. They witnessed his prayer of agony. They heard him, Father, if it be your will, let this chalice pass from me. And they were with him that night when the guards from the temple approached by night with clubs and torches, and he was arrested And then they all fled, some of them, right? Most of them. Some of them followed at a distance. They watched the show trial unfold in Caiaphas' palace and to Annas and Pilate and back again. They saw him being condemned by the religious authorities. They saw him condemned by the political authorities. They witnessed the scourging and the carrying of the cross, and they saw him crucified. John was standing there at the Mount of Calvary. He saw him die. Right? This Jesus, the one who brought dead people back to life, that man breathed his last. They watched the author of life die. And they were thrown into confusion like you can't even believe. But that was nothing compared to the bewildering confusion that happened three days later on Easter morning when all of a sudden there he is in the upper room, not dead, not covered in wounds, but glorious and radiant. And he's saying to them, peace, shalom, that he was back. He says, here's my hands, here's my sides. And then after some time, right, Jesus, the resurrected Lord, gathered with his disciples, gathered with his apostles, after some time of instructing them, he sends them into the whole world to proclaim the gospel, to tell the whole world the amazing, like, life-changing news that Jesus just basically wants us to be nice to each other and to be kind and get along and stop judging. Anybody buying it? I'm going to go like this. No! Like, that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. That's not the good news. That's not what sent them into the world. No, they were sent into the whole world to announce that death has been defeated, that sin has been canceled, that there's a new king on the throne, That we don't need to be scared of the scariest thing. We don't need to be scared of death because he's defeated it. He said that death is now a resting place. It's not a final place. It won't hold you like it didn't hold me. I'm going to feed you with the food that hangs from the tree of life. I'm going to give you the Eucharist. That we've been rescued from hell. We've been transferred into the kingdom, from the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of our God and Father, the kingdom of light. He sent us into the world. He sent them into the world to lay out for people the truth Truth with a capital T, right? That Jesus himself is the way, 
He's the way we're all looking for. He's the truth that we are all seeking. He's the life that all of our hearts long for, that we most desire. That these men who were huddled together in fear in the upper room, they were terrified, locked together one minute. The next minute, they were pouring into the main streets of the cities and capitals of the ancient world. They were announcing with such boldness and conviction this message these truths, and they were making disciples by the thousands. Pentecost Sunday, Peter, right? Peter the denier, Peter the scared one, Peter who ran away, Peter who crumbled when this little milkmaid said, aren't you that man's disciple? He said, no, 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 I'm not one of his disciples. No, that same Peter was in the streets the Pentecost morning, and he made 3,000 disciples that morning by his preaching. They were upsetting the status quo, and as one Roman official said, we hear it in the Acts of the Apostles, these men have turned the world upside down. They were causing a lot of trouble, the good kind of trouble. They were upsetting the status quo, and they were arrested, and they were hauled before magistrates and governors, and they were whipped, they were beaten, they were imprisoned, all because they refused to be quiet about Jesus. They refused to be silent. They kept saying his name, and nearly all of them died martyrs' deaths, heroically, joyfully, courageously proclaiming the gospel. Friends, here's the question that I just want to put out for us tonight as we prepare for this confirmation on Corpus Christi Sunday. What changed for them? What changed from upper room, scared, terrified, locked, behind closed doors, to running into the city streets and capitals, being willing to suffer these martyrs' deaths, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus with lion's breath. What changed? Jesus said to them, he said to them, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They received something. There was something that they lacked that they then received. It wasn't a change of consciousness. It was literally something from heaven entered their hearts and souls, their minds, their bodies. They were given something new that they didn't have access to. They were plugged in to the grid. They were plugged into this power. This power called the Holy Spirit, the person who is love in the Trinity, right? That's who was given to them. And what happened is that this power, it didn't come from them, it came through them. Like from heaven, it came through them out into the world. Friends, I share all of that as a preamble to say, that, to say this, that the same promise is being fulfilled in you today. Those of you who are being confirmed, raise your hand if you're being confirmed. Watch out, y'all. Like something big is about to happen to you. You're about to receive power. Like Jesus said 2,000 years ago, the same promise he's saying to you, the church has taught, the church has said that you're about to be plugged into something bigger than you. And for some of you, this power that's being given to you, this gift of the Holy Spirit, it's, it might remain dormant in you for years to come. It just might. It, like a seed that just remains dormant for some time. I don't know why God does that. I don't know why he allows that. But his ways are mysterious. And I've seen this happen for people that years after they've been confirmed, all of a sudden that seed, that power is unleashed. For others of you today, you might start feeling like you have access, like I said, to this new power, new levels of courage, new levels of strength or discipline in your prayer life, your spiritual life to go deeper, to actually spend more time diving into the word, being present in adoration, 
power to stand up for your faith in tough conversations at school with friends, the power, the strength to lovingly challenge someone that you care about, to think about their actions, to avoid the behaviors that they're doing, to invite people, the power to witness, the power, the courage to say, hey, let me, I'm just going to tell you like who Jesus is, like what he's done for me. The power to witness. The power to witness. Friends, this sacrament that you're being given today, it's not primarily for you. This sacrament is a gift that's given to you but for others. Like you're being given this power to share out there in the world to be, like Jesus says, witnesses. He said in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. He could say to you in Wadsworth, in Norton, in Seville, like wherever you go to college. Like that's what he's saying. I'm empowering you to be my witnesses, to share with the world a different kind of way of being, a different kind of love, a different, just a different way of being. This is why he comes to us today, especially in the Eucharist. Right? He comes to us in the Eucharist to give us an intimacy and access to his heart that's just deeper than, and it's more personal than anything we can even fathom. And secondly, he comes to us in the Eucharist to turn us into living tabernacles, into living monstrances, to leave this church bearing his presence in the world. Like, I don't know if you know this, but that tabernacle, that thing isn't going anywhere. Like, Deacon Rich, can you try and, like, move it from that? Can, can, yeah. No, okay. Like, he, he can't do it. He's strong. He, but he can't even move it. No, no one can move it. It's bolted down. Like, these stained glass windows, all this stuff, the statues, it's not leaving the church. That tabernacle isn't leaving the church. But you are. That's the point. He dwells here. He dwells here. He, Jesus didn't leave the throne room of heaven to come to earth to dwell merely among us, hiding in the tabernacle. No, he came from heaven to earth, dwelling in the Eucharist, so that he can dwell in you. Like the primary tabernacle that he most desires isn't that one. It's you. You're the primary tabernacle, a tabernacle with legs and a voice and a face and friends. He wants to get out of this church in you, to love the world through you. For so many people that you meet, very likely you will be the closest connection they have to Jesus in you as a living tabernacle, as a living monstrance. My friends, so today you're given power. The church teaches that this sacrament, confirmation, is the sacrament by which the grace of Pentecost is being given again to the faithful. What happened to them in the upper room is happening to you. Those first disciples whom Jesus called, whom Jesus formed and sent into the world, they didn't have special training. They weren't theologians. They weren't trained in missionary work. They didn't have, you know, an excellence in foreign languages. They didn't know how to travel. They didn't know diplomacy. They didn't have a lot of money or special connections. What they had, what they had, was the gift of the Eucharist, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the conviction burning in their hearts that Jesus is real, that his love is real, that we've met him, that we've encountered him, and everyone is looking for him, and everyone needs to know him because life is better with him. That's what they had. And so they went forth into the world as the body of Christ to tell people, the people that God put on their path, this amazing news 
Friends, you have the, we have the same mission. You have the same mission. Like the mission doesn't start when you grow up and become an adult in the faith. No, the mission starts today. The mission started when you were baptized, but it's being given like a boost today. This is your mission. And the thing is, when you get scared, when you get overwhelmed, when, when you're feeling discouraged, when everything feels against you, when you lose friends because of this, when you're misunderstood because of this, when you screw up and you fail to live up to the standard that you know that you're meant to, come back to him. Come back to Jesus in the Eucharist and let him look at you again. Like I know, I know so many of you have seen his gaze in the Eucharist this year. I know you've seen it. Let him look at you again to remind you about how much he adores you. To let him look at you again to gaze upon you to breathe life and strength back into you, to hear him say, to hear him say again, I see you and I know you and I've called you and I'll equip you and you're mine. And look, we've got this. I've got you. Now let's do this. You and me, we can do this. Friends, that's your mission and you're being plugged in and given so much power today to do it. And the world needs you. The world needs what only you can give which is Jesus.